You're listening to the Lucas Italy podcast with food, culture, and history from the land of Minestrone and Moneskin. I'm Luca Marchiori, and today I'll be talking about how flavored snow became one of Italy's most famous exports. Before we get started on today's topic, I just want to say a big congratulations to Damiano, Victoria, Thomas, and Ethan, um, also known as the band Moneskin, who won the Eurovision Song Contest for Italy last night with their song Ziti e Buoni. That's a fantastic achievement, and I just want to say congratulations. And we're really looking forward to having the Eurovision Song Contest in Italy next year. So I think a celebration is in order. Now, Italians are not big drinkers. And uh, so rather than celebrate with alcohol, it's probably a good idea to go out and celebrate with gelato. Now, as you probably know, gelato is the Italian word for ice cream. And ice cream or gelato is one of the most popular foodstuffs in Italy today and is something which the rest of the world readily associates with Italy. Now, this is not for nothing because Italy is literally full of gelaterie, of um, ice cream shops. In fact, there are 39,000 points of sale for gelato in Italy today. Um, now, 29,000 of these are bars and pastry shops, which also make and sell ice cream. And then the other 10,000 are dedicated ice cream shops. So if you crunch the numbers, that means that for every ice cream shop in Italy, or every ice cream point of sale, there are 1,538 Italians. So 1,538 Italians share each ice cream point of sale. Now, I'm just going to point out here that what I'm talking about is what is called gelato artiginale, which translates as handmade or homemade ice cream. Many people use the word artisanal to uh, translate artiginale, and obviously they're very similar words and obviously related, but um, artiginale doesn't quite have the um, the idea of specialization um, or high quality that the word artisanal does in English. So I prefer to say it's um, homemade or handmade. Now, perhaps unsurprisingly for the capital city and also the city with the largest population in Italy, Rome also has the largest number of gelaterie. In a city of 2.8 million people, there are 1,400 gelaterie, which means for every 2,000 Romans, there is a gelaterie. Now, just to put these 39,000 gelaterie in a wider context, in Europe, there are about 65,000 gelaterie. So just under two-thirds of all gelaterie in Europe are in Italy. And apparently there are 43,000 gelaterie in the rest of the world outside Europe. So the number of gelaterie in Italy is almost the same as the number of gelaterie outside Europe in the rest of the world. So as you can see from all these figures, Italy really is the world leader in producing and eating gelato. But it doesn't stop there because also 90% of the machines used worldwide to make gelato, either industrially um, or um, at home, are also made in Italy. So I think you agree um, that gelato is a made in Italy product per eccellenza. So then what actually is gelato artiginale? Well, it's an ice cream which is made from various ingredients, including milk, sugar, fruit, water, cream, 
eggs, powdered milk, fructose, and then also stabilizers and emulsifiers, which are used to maintain the creaminess of the product. One of the hallmarks of Italian gelato is that it's not hard at all. It's very creamy and very soft, um, even though it's kept at very low temperatures. Now, Italian gelato divides into two different types, um, one which is called crema, uh, which is basically based on milk and cream, and one which is called sorbetto, uh, which is based on water and fruit juice. Now, a crema is 70% milk or cream, whereas a sorbetto is um, 30% fruit and 10% um, agrumi, which is citrus juice. Now, 60% of the ice cream sold in Italy is uh, crema, and the other 40% is sorbetto. So the main feature of gelato artigianale is that it's made at the point of sale. So the gelaterie or the bars or the pastry shops which are selling this gelato will have um, a little laboratory at the back where they actually make the ice cream. And the process is pretty much the same everywhere. So first of all, you have to mix the base ingredients together, which um, because they often contain milk and eggs are then pasteurized and then left to rest at low temperatures. Now, an ice cream maker will basically say that this process is a little bit like when you make pastry and you have to let the pastry um, rest before you, you use it. So then once the base is rested, you add the flavorings, which in Italian are known as sapori or paste. And then these are transferred to the machine, which is known as the mantecatore. And this is a machine with a bowl, which is kept at a very low temperature. And then there's a paddle in the middle and it basically stirs the ice cream. So the ice cream is frozen as it's churned. And this process stops ice crystals forming. And um, so it stops the, 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 the mixture from becoming ice and it becomes ice cream. Now, this process takes about 10 minutes. And then the finished product is transferred to big metal containers known as vaschette, which are what the ice cream is sold from. And these are kept at a temperature of minus 10 degrees centigrade, which is 1414 degrees Fahrenheit. So when you go into an Italian gelateria, you will see all these big vaschette, these big metal um, containers containing the ice cream on display in the chiller cabinet. And they will have the name of the flavor written in front. And uh, you basically choose which flavors you want. Now, apparently, somebody did a survey and there are more than 600 flavors available throughout Italy of gelato. But the top flavors are as follows. The most popular flavor, maybe not surprisingly, is chocolate. Um, this is followed by hazelnut. This is followed by lemon. And then finally by strawberry. So on top of the glass counter, you will also see displayed some cones, um, but also some little um, little paper cups, which are known as coppe or copette. And you can choose to have your ice cream either in a cone or in a coppetta. You'll also see that the cones and coppette come in different sizes, small, medium and large normally. And the number of flavors you can ask for depends on the size of cone or coppetta. And it's normally something like two different flavors in small, three different flavors in medium, and four different flavors in large. Now, in most gelaterias, like in many Italian bars, you go to the counter and you pay first, 
And then you take your scontrino, which is your receipt, to the counter where the ice cream is, and then you order your ice cream. So the person behind the counter will ask you which flavors you want, and you basically tell them, and they obviously put them in the thing. Now, in some really posh uh, gelateria I've been into, they will wait until you've said all your three or four flavors, and then they will decide which order to put them in the cup or the cone um, so that basically you get the maximum pleasure out of eating these different flavors of ice cream. Now, over the years, I've noticed that there are some flavors which come and go, and often places will have different flavors based on different fashions. So, for example, in the early 1980s, my favorite flavor was called Malaga, um, named after the city in Spain, which was famous for the production of raisins. And so Malaga is the flavor which I think in Anglo-Saxon countries is known as rum and raisin. And it was absolutely spectacular and was my favorite. But it's very unusual. It's very rare, very hard to find it nowadays, which is a real shame. And I remember a couple of years ago, I was in Florence and I saw it and I was like, oh, Malaga. And I think I had a whole cone um, just with Malaga flavored ice cream to celebrate. Now, another flavor, which I remember from my childhood, um, which you can still find in certain places, and it's had a bit of a resurgence nowadays, is Puffo. Now, Puffo is the Italian name, i Puffi, is the Italian name for the Smurfs. And so this was Smurf-flavoured ice cream, and um, it tasted a little bit like marzipan, and of course, it was blue. Now, of course, it didn't seem to bother me or many other Italian children of the time uh, to think that they were eating Smurfs <laughs> made into ice cream, um, because it was very, very popular. And as I say, unlike Malaga, the Puffo Smurf-flavoured ice cream is actually still relatively easy to find today. So I guess from a personal point of view, Malaga has been replaced in my, um, in my heart by Limone lemon flavour, which is one of the most refreshing things you can have on a hot summer's day. Now, I tend to buck the flavour trend a little bit because, as I said earlier, about 60% of the ice cream sold in Italy is crema and um, the other 40% is sorbetto. Now, I really like them both, but have a slight tendency towards the sorbetti. And some of the best sorbetto flavours you can get nowadays, apart from lemon, are things like uh, pink grapefruit, which is gorgeous, mango, passion fruits. These exotic fruits are, are very popular nowadays. Now, I also buck the trend a little bit in how I like to eat my ice cream because apparently 72% of the Italian population prefer cones, whereas only 28% of the population use coppette. Whereas I always have my ice cream in a coppetta because I find it a lot easier to eat without making a mess. Because certainly if it's a hot day uh, or a hot evening and you're eating your ice cream, it starts to drip because they put loads of it on top of the cone. Um, I mean, they really stuff it in. It's great value. And um, basically, it starts to melt and goes all the way down the cone and your hands get sticky and I really don't like that. So I prefer to eat my ice cream in a coppetta. But as I say, 70% or 72% of Italians prefer a cone. Now, of course, many people like the flavour, like the crunchiness of the cone. And so um, many uh, gelateria today will give you a little disc, what they call a chalda, um, a waffle, which is a little disc of cone, which they then put on top. So if you have a coppetta, um, then you don't miss out on the crunchiness of the cone because you get a little disc of it put on top. 
And finally, another thing which many Italians like and which many gelateria do is to put whipped cream on top of your ice cream. So if there wasn't enough cream and milk in the gelato to start off with, they put a nice big dollop of whipped cream on the top for you to fight your way through before you get to the delicious gelato. So what do we know about the history of the gelato? Well, it appears that the practice of taking snow and then adding fruit juice to flavour it uh, to make a drink a little bit like slush uh, was something which is very common in the ancient world, in ancient Greece and ancient Rome. Many people think of Greece and Italy as being very hot countries because this is based on the fact that they visited these countries in the summer when they've had the summer holidays. Uh, but in fact, both countries can get very, very cold in the winter. Um, in fact, in most of Italy, particularly in the central strip where the Apennines are, the, the winter temperatures are much colder than they are in, for example, Great Britain. But also Italy is very thin. Um, it's a very thin strip of land. And all the way down the middle are the mountains of the Apennini. And so you're never really very far either from the coast or from the mountains. And so in the winter, obviously, there's snow on top of the mountains all the way down Italy. And so it's not very far to go and collect the snow and to bring it back to the towns, even if you're living on the plain. And um, so this is basically how um, ice cream was made in the past before refrigeration was invented. Now, between 827 and 902 AD, um, the island of Sicily was occupied by Arabs. And indeed, during this period, ice cream um, made from the snow that collects on the top of Mount Etna was very popular. And so popular, in fact, that the Italian word sorbetto, which is the word for this kind of fruit ice cream made without milk, actually comes from the Arabic word um, sherbet, which uh, derives from the old Arabic word for to drink. It's also where the English word sherbet comes from. But it wasn't until the 16th century that Italians started eating the crema version of gelato as opposed to the sorbetto version. And for this, we have to look to Florence and to the personage of Bernardo Buontalenti, whose surname means well-talented. And he was a Florentine architect, set designer, sculptor, um, who lived between 1531 and 1608. And in fact, it's said that he studied sculpture under Michelangelo Buonarroti, the, the famous, probably the most, one of the most famous Italian artists ever to live. And he is said to have invented the crema gelato. And basically, he seems to have invented the mantecatore, uh, the, the, the machine which is used to make gelato. And what he did was he got snow and then he mixed it with salt and apparently, if you mix ice or snow with salt, it lowers the temperature, so it becomes very, very cold. And then he put a bowl in this, put the mixture um, inside using milk and uh, cream, and then stirred it uh, for about 10 minutes, and it turns into ice cream. And so basically, by the early 17th century, um, both the sorbetto and crema versions of gelato existed in Italy. Now, I guess the other big name or the other big event in the development of gelato was the development of the gelateria, uh, the, the shop specifically designed for making and serving gelato. And although, of course, this was invented by an Italian, the first gelateria or the first recorded gelateria seems to have been opened outside Italy. Now, the owner or the person who opened the gelateria was a Sicilian 
um, with the fantastic name of Procopio Francesco Couto. And he moved to France, where he became known as Francesco Procopio dei Coltelli. Now, his nickname, dei Coltelli, means of the knives. And apparently, he got this nickname because he moved to Paris, and his surname, Couto, um, sounds very much like the French word couteau, uh, which means knives. So he lived from 1651 to 1627. Um, so he was born about 50 years after the death of Buontalenti, by which time one can imagine that um, gelato alla crema was all the rage. So as I said, he moved to Paris and in 1686, he opened his shop, which he called Le Procope, after his name, and this is the first recorded gelateria in the world. Now, in fact, Le Procope became a very famous place in Paris, and it's at the centre of many um, parts of Parisian and French history. Um, for example, it was a place which was frequented a lot by revolutionaries, including Robespierre, Danton, and Marat, but also by writers and intellectuals. And we know that Voltaire, Balzac, and Victor Hugo used to like to hang out there and eat the ice cream. And in fact, Le Procop is still there in Paris today, but it's not a gelateria anymore. It's now a famous restaurant. So how and when do Italians eat ice cream nowadays? Well, you can actually take away um, the ice cream or the gelato from um, gelateria. And basically, you can go in and you can buy what's called a vaschetta, which is normally polystyrene, a big thing which they put the the gelato in, and then you take it home, put it in the freezer, and you can eat it for dessert. And you can buy very large quantities of it. Um, you can buy up a kilo, a kilo and a half, up to even two kilos, I've seen. But most Italians still prefer to go out for ice cream. And they'll do this either in the afternoon, after lunch, um, or in the early evening, they'll have a what's called a passeggiata, a walk. Um, if they live in a city, this will be in one of the one of the beautiful squares in the city centre, and they'll have an ice cream which they will then eat while uh, while walking. Also, in the middle of the summer when it's very hot, um, after dinner, people often go out for a passeggiata or go out to have ice cream. Um, so, sort of ten thirty, eleven o'clock. Um, even midnights are very popular times for eating gelato, and the gelateria um, do a lot of business at those times too. In fact, I remember when I used to stay with my family in Piemonte um, when I was a child, um, they used to live in a city called Alessandria, and we'd always go out in the evening for ice cream. And then they moved to a tiny village, and um, they'd still do this. We'd still go out for ice cream to the local bar, which sold gelato. Um, although it, it wasn't uh, gelato artigianale, it was more industrial. But uh, but the tradition of going out after dinner, uh, walking down to the bar, buying your gelato and eating it on the way home was still something which we did. And in fact, this is going to bring me to a little aside about industrially produced gelato or ice cream, um, which is something which has an important part to play in Italy. Now, I remember in the 1980s in Britain, there was a very popular product called Cornetto, and this was billed as authentic Italian ice cream. And in fact, the, the advertisements on TV um, featured a gondolier in a gondola in Venice singing uh, just one cornetto to the tune of um, O Sole Mio while the passenger ate cornetto in the, uh, in the, in the boat. 
And although this was everybody's idea of Italian ice cream in Britain in the 1980s, um, I think many people assumed that it wasn't authentic or wasn't even Italian, but it was. So in the late 50s, in the late 1950s, people used to sell ice cream on the beach, but it was always sold in the copette, not in the um, not in the cones, because it was too difficult to transport and store. And um, and so basically, the idea of eating a cone on the beach was not possible. And at this time, in 1959, a Neapolitan ice cream factory um, had the idea of making the cornetto. And um, because it was easy to store, it was easy to transport. It was easy to therefore sell and eat on the beach. And this really took off in the early 1960s. So in the early 1960s, if you went to Italian beaches, there'd be people there eating cornettos. And in fact, it became a symbol of modernity, but also of that dolce vita period in the 1960s that you go to the beach and you'd eat your cornetto. And so although today most Italian people prefer to eat um, gelato artigianale, there is still this affection for the cornetto because of its place in Italian history. And in fact, um, this was something which I saw uh, last year after the first lockdown. A friend of mine uh, who lives in Rome um, posted a picture of him just after the lockdown had been eased, eating a cornetto in Piazza Navona and basically saying that, um, you know, that this was the true taste of summer. And of course, what he was referring to was these, this sort of golden nostalgia of eating cornetto on the beach. And all his Italian friends were putting comments like, ah, che nostalgia, um, or how wonderful underneath. And then um, an Anglo-Saxon friend of his, I can't remember which country this person was from, wrote, that's disgusting. You live in Rome and you're eating cornetto. You do not deserve to live in Italy. And I thought this is really funny because basically uh, this person had completely missed the point of the cornetto, uh, which was that, as I say, it was a symbol of la dolce vita lifestyle from the 1960s. And of course, he was being a bit also ironic as well by eating one in Piazza Navona. But anyway, that's just a little aside. And um, as we've seen from the figures, most Italians do prefer gelato artigianale and eat a lot of it. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And once again, I want to say thank you very, very much to those of you who are supporting me either through ratings or reviews or comments or Patreon and all these different things. So thank you very, very much. I really do appreciate it. And uh, and it's really wonderful to see that my statistics are going up, that more of you are out there listening to me and enjoying the podcast um, because it really makes it all worth doing. So I'll be back next week with another slice of Italian food, culture and history. All that remains is for me to say, have a great week. Ciao.